We are very excited this morning uh, to be able to celebrate with these eight that come to profess their faith in Christ. Um, And I thought of the scripture in Acts chapter 2, and it's, it's a classic statement of what the church was like in the first days. And it says, this is Acts 2, 42 and following, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And this is what drew me, this last statement that is made, that drew me to this passage. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And uh, man, our prayer ought to be, God, let that be the statement of what goes on in our midst, that there are people daily who are coming to know the Lord. And so um, we're excited first to have Madison Williams that comes to be baptized. Just take your time. Come stand right over here. Come stand right over here. If you are here this morning with Madison, if you would raise your hand or stand. Oh, why don't you stand this morning? It's a big day. We've got some. Thank you all for being here for Madison. Listen, Brother Darrell had to make notes this Sunday, okay? You all bear with me. My memory's not what it used to be. So um, Madison didn't go to church much as a little girl, uh, but since she's been in Huntington, she's been in church. And also, I know there was a time that she was also going to circle club after school. Also during the time, uh, she has been diligent to pray. In fact, one time uh, her folks were sharing with me that she committed to 90 days of prayer to make sure that she prayed every evening before she went to bed. Uh, And her story is this, that during the the Christmas season, uh, Justin and Trenesha led um, JC and Madison, their family, uh, to do, a, I think it would be an, an Advent uh, event. I don't know what you would call it, but so for, there were seven boxes, I guess, like Christmas presents, and each day you would open up a box, it would teach you something about what Christmas was about and Jesus and his birth. And uh, when you got to the seventh night, it was Christmas Eve. And that night, in that box, when you opened it up, there was a mirror inside the box. And the question was, what does God want from you? And obviously the implication is, more than anything, God wants you. And so this was something that God used to to speak to Madison's heart. Uh, She knew uh, that she had been sinning. Uh, there were some things going on in the world that made her think about 
death and things going on, storms that we were having and wars that were in the world. Uh, And so one of those nights, uh, Madison, during her bedtime, she prayed all by herself. And this is what she told me, some of what she prayed. She said to the Lord, forgive me and come in. And then this is the statement, there's her prayer. She said, I don't want to go my way, but I want to go your way. And she, after she had prayed, she felt a sense of peace and was happy. Uh, About two weeks after that, she talked to Cricket about her decision. And then later, uh, she talked to me. And today, she comes to present herself for baptism. Amen? Amen. Just sit on the front of the edge. So, Madison, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. All right. Turn for just a second. I know. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. This morning, we also have two sisters that come. This is Presley and Peyton Bell. And I'm going to ask Presley to come on in the water. And then we're going to have Peyton to stand there. And uh, this morning, if you're here with the Bells, if you would stand and represent. we got a whole crew in the balcony. That's awesome. Um, I asked Tim to write out some notes for me, and so uh, he typed out some notes. And uh, I want to go ahead and do uh, Presley's first, obviously. Um, But Presley has had a lot of conversations um, with her parents. She has been in church almost her whole life. And uh, along the way, Tim and Linda have sought to teach her about Jesus and the importance of his sacrifice, his death on the cross. So they've had several salvation discussions with both girls. Um, now, Presley is more of an analytical thinker, is the way it's described. And so she has, through the time of their discussions, had a lot of questions about what it meant to be saved. Um, But Tim writes, we've always tried to support her in her walk to find salvation. And we were careful not to push her because we knew her heart and mind would have to be in the same place for her to make this decision. Uh, This last summer on the first night of VBS, uh, Presley felt that call. Uh, Something in the message that Brother Darrell spoke that night resonated inside of her. Uh, And I think it was actually Linda that was out of town. And so when the girls got home, Tim... They FaceTimed each other, and they talked about the fact that she said she wanted to be saved, and, um, and they listened together uh, as parents uh, with her leading herself in a prayer to ask for forgiveness and ask Jesus to live inside of her heart. Um, Tim writes, with both of our girls, we wanted to let them wait until they were ready for baptism. Um, and we wanted to make sure that their new faith, that they were assured and confident in that new faith and their decision to follow Jesus. And recently they asked about being baptized and they felt like it was time that they knew that they had 
that was their heart's desire and that they wanted to make it public uh, that they loved Jesus and were saved by him. Amen? Amen. All right. And so, Presley, if you'll be seated. I'm going to sit right there, sister. All right, if you'll grab my wrist. There we go. And so, Presley, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. Just let's stand. Just a second. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. We want Peyton to come in. And sister gets to stand there all wet, Peyton. See? It works out better to go second. Come stand right over here. All right. Well, I told you that Presley is the more analytical thinker. <clears throat> Tim writes that Peyton is more of their free-spirited little one. Okay, you can fill in the blanks there. Um, and there had been many times that they had talked with her uh, leading up to her decision, and uh, which she had said she wanted to be saved and baptized. Tim writes, knowing her like we do, we always asked if there was something her heart was telling her, was this something that her heart was telling her or just something fun she had seen others do? Uh, we never desired to push her away from salvation, but instead wanted her to have a genuine experience with Christ that she wouldn't doubt later. Uh, the Sunday after Peyton turned six, uh, they had been having discussions about, with both of the girls, about why Jesus died and our need for forgiveness. And Tim writes, we explained to them that it was a decision that was only theirs and that if they wanted to make that decision, they could do it at any time. It didn't have to be at church. It didn't have to be with anyone else around. It should be when they knew they needed him and wanted to ask him for their forgiveness of their sins and for him to come live inside. And he said that night after bedtime, and he said we were doing chores in the living room, that Peyton came running in to see us, and she said, I did it. I did the big prayer, is what she exclaimed to us. Uh, we talked with her then about everything she was feeling and what she had prayed. And um, after uh, she went back to bed, we agreed that it seemed like the real deal for her. And we have watched her since then. And when salvation is ever brought up, Peyton knows that she is saved and that she has accepted Jesus as her Savior that night. I describe it as she stuck to her story. She knew what Jesus had done for her. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's see right there. Let me get your hair out of the way, Peyton. All right. If you grab my wrist like a baseball. So, Peyton, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. Get this stand. Stand right there so they can see your pretty face. All right, thank you. <laughs> amen, amen. We are also very excited this morning to have three Rapons come to be baptized, and so I'm going to ask them to come out. And this is Trent or Trenton. Is his full name, Justin and Sarah Rapon. And if you're here this morning, 
uh, with the Rapons. I know there's a crew. Y'all stand up and represent. All right. That's awesome. Thank y'all. Um, so Trent started coming to church with his cousins a number of years ago, about four years ago. And then that next summer in 2017, he also came to our vacation Bible school. And God used that vacation Bible school to help his family start coming here to church. And um, so they've been coming faithfully for the last almost, I guess, three years. Um, and for the last year, he's been talking with his parents about what it means to be saved and be baptized. And last Sunday morning, they were talking again about this. And um, Sarah took the Bible and went through the scriptures of what the Bible says about what it means to be saved. And Trent knew that he was ready and it was his time. And his mom led him in, in the sinner's prayer. Um, and he asked Jesus to come into his heart. Uh, and here's the kicker why we're all here today. Because <laughs> right after that, as they're sitting around the kitchen table, an idea pops in Trent's head. And when an idea pops in his head, it pops out of his mouth, too. <laughs> and he said, wouldn't it be cool if y'all got baptized with me? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and and so last Sunday morning, if you were here, you know that all three of them walked the aisle to make their decisions public. All right, so. If you'll sit. Okay, if you'll grab my wrist like a baseball bat, that's perfect. So, Trent, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. All right, stand for just a second. Let him see you. All right. All right. All right. And I want Justin to come now. There's more to the story. <laughs> uh, so Justin was raised as a boy going to this church. And he re vividly remembers when he was about 10 years of age. And um, he was in this sanctuary. And it was in a time, and it, it had to be surely a vacation Bible school decision service. The kids are pulled in here, and um, the gospel is shared with them. And um, as the kids that day were told the gospel, they were given an opportunity to give their life to Christ. And it was in that moment, he still remembers it vividly to this day, that God touched his heart. And as they were led in prayer, he confessed his sin, and he prayed that Christ would come into his life. He immediately knew that something had happened to him. And he told one of his leaders, and then when went home, he told his parents. Um, Twenty years later, <laughs> he got back in church because his son invited him to come from a vacation Bible school. Parents, we had some kind of parents... Uh, event and they he and the family have been in church ever since and today uh, he makes his decision public through baptism all right if you'll sit down grab my wrist like a base there you go cross grip there you go 
So, Justin, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. All right, this thing. All right. Good deal. All right. Thank you. You're good. Oh, there's more. Sarah. <laughs> Watch your sleeve. Your sleeve. Yeah, just take your time. Okay, if you'll stand right. I know it is. If you'll stand. Um, so share, Sarah shared with me, I'm sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied, uh, that she was raised going to the Assembly of God as a little girl, uh, but later her church, her family stopped going to church. And she started to church here in 2017 because a little boy <laughs> invited her to come to a Vacation Bible School Parents program. And um, so they've been in church all, this, all that time, I guess the last three years. Uh, she also shared with me that, though, that through the years, even before that time, that her mother-in-law, Cindy, and her brother and sister-in-law, Twyla, and Jeremy Bertrand, had been talking to her about Jesus and about being saved. She always knew that there was something missing from her life, but she didn't know what it was at the time. Um... It was about a year and a half ago. I looked up the date, September 16th, 2018. It was a worship service in this room, and we were celebrating the Lord's Supper that morning. Uh, and I, I still remember that service today because there was a very strong and evident presence of God in this room as we worshiped that day and as we talked about Jesus dying for me. And it was in that moment that as she sat there, she began to cry. Um, and she became overwhelmed by Christ's presence. And it was in those moments that she surrendered her life to Christ. She knew something had happened. <laughs> she even turned to Justin in the midst of the tears. And she told Justin that she had been saved. She felt like a brand new person. And once she was saved... She knew what the missing part was. <laughs> it was Jesus in her life. This last Sunday morning when Trent said at the kitchen table, wouldn't it be cool if y'all got baptized with me? <laughs> Don't you love kids? <laughs> she knew that if her son could walk that aisle and be baptized, she should too. And so last Sunday she came to make it public, and now she comes to make it public through baptism. Amen. So Sarah, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. All right, you're comfortable. Just a second. All right, thank you. You okay? All right, thank you. Oh, there's more. You haven't even heard all the stories. So this morning we also have Holly Strickland that comes. So just take your time. Take your time.
And I know Holly has a whole group that is family. If you're here, would you stand? If you're here, yes. Awesome. There's a story. Um, Holly went to church uh, as a little girl, but she would say to me as we visited in the last couple of weeks, she just didn't get it. As she grew up, she knew there was a hole, um, which later she understood could only be filled with Jesus. But at that point in her life, she tried to fill it with other things. But she always felt empty on the inside. Uh, this pursuit to fill it took her down a road, a bad road, that eventually brought her to the place where she lost everything that was important to her. And the only way she could look was up. God brought two ladies into her life that did Bible studies with her. And about a year ago, in one of those Bible studies, they handed her a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper was typed out the sinner's prayer. Hmm. So Holly looked at that and read it. And uh, she really began to think about it. And she knew that she needed to give her heart to Jesus. And so she, um, she prayed that sinner's prayer and she surrendered her life to Christ and she immediately felt a sense of peace. In April of last year, she moved back to Huntington, and Charity invited her to a group that meets on Friday nights called Most Excellent Way. <laughs> um, when she got there, she felt the love and acceptance. Uh, she says, particularly from Ann Porter, Dwayne and Roxanna Wade, and others. Uh, since that time, that sense of peace has only deepened in her heart. And she is thankful for this church and its amazing people. Amen. Absolutely. All right. All right. So, Holly, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The old person is put to death, and a new person is raised in Christ Jesus. Amen. I told you they're going to go crazy. They're going crazy. All right. Love you. All right. I saved the best for last. Darlene Perez comes to be baptized this morning. Yeah, just take your time. We're taking it, taking it slow. Just take your time. Come stand right over here. Okay, if you'll just stand. Okay. Uh, Darlene would say, you know, some people would say how they were raised in church. She would say, I wasn't raised in church, I was raised in clubs. Hmm. Her father was the lead singer in a band in Lufkin, 
And as a little girl, her folks would take her to clubs at night. And so she wasn't raised in church, but as an adult, she went to church some. Several years ago, she started going to uh, Most Excellent Way groups, I guess in Angelina County in this area, because of the circumstances in her family's life. She got to be friends with Barry Clark. Um, Last year, she started attending our Most Excellent Way on Friday nights with Barry, and in time, started coming to church on Sunday mornings. Uh, The Thursday before last, uh, and this is kind of their routine, she and Barry come and they set up the Most Excellent Way room for Friday night. So she was in the office wing and uh, she came down and visited that morning and I wanted to talk with her about her spiritual journey. And uh, when I got to the point in the conversation where I asked her if she'd ever been born again, and quite honestly, as a pastor, I thought the answer was going to be yes. But she broke down in tears. She said, no, I never have. She admitted that she never had. And so I went over what the Bible says about being saved and asked her if she would be willing to accept Christ into her life. She was ready. And so I called Barry back into the office, and he led her in the prayer of salvation that morning. It was an emotional, tear-filled moment. But after she was done, she felt refreshed on the inside. And this is what she realized that day and since, that the old Darlene is gone, and the new Darlene has come. Last Sunday, she made her decision public, and today she follows the Lord in baptism, and from now on, she wants to show others to Christ. Amen? All right, if you'll have a seat, darling. You got it? I know you're good. (laughs) Darlene, upon your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, lift up your head. Yeah, lift up your head. The old person is put to death. A new person is raised in Christ Jesus. As you you remain standing, I want to lead us in prayer. And uh, we will continue our time of worship. Father, today we thank you for what you're doing in our midst and we thank you for these, Father, and their commitments that they have made to you today. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, we would think about what steps of courage you're asking us to make. That, Father, we would be drawn to you in a greater way today. We love you. We thank you for this time. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're excited also this morning to have uh, Jeremy Bowers that's here with us. This is Kay and Terry's son. Um, And during the offering time, he's going to be coming to share about what God's doing in his life. He's a young man studying for ministry, but is involved in ministry. And God's led him to some mission opportunities, and I asked him to come and to share. And so that's going to be during the offering time. And so my intent this morning is to leave him some time. My intent this morning. 
I have good intentions this morning. Uh, the stories about how people came to follow Jesus, many of those are recorded in the scriptures, and we can see them in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and also in the book of Acts. It's pretty neat just to see the stories, and if you've heard the baptismal stories this morning, just uh, the path that many of us walked to get to Jesus, is, it looks different. And uh, one of my favorite stories, and I want to share this briefly this morning, uh, is the story of Andrew and his brother Peter, and it's recorded in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. Uh, and this is what it says. And when it refers to John here, this is John the Baptist. Okay, there's John the Apostle, but this is, they're talking about John the Baptist. So in verse 35 it says, Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour, maybe four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So this is the story of how Andrew and Peter came to follow Jesus. There's a couple things I want you to notice about the story. If we just start in verse 35. Um, John the Baptist points Andrew to Jesus. There was someone in Andrew's life who says, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, John the Baptist was a wild man. And uh, many people followed him for the things that he did, but also for the words that he spoke. Andrew saw credibility in John's life and his words, and when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, he points Andrew, and we don't know who the other person is in the story, but he points him to Jesus. In verse 37, uh, we see that Andrew turns to Jesus, that he has been following John, but he leaves John, and he turns and he begins to follow Jesus. And it's interesting to me that when years ago John the Apostle writes this story, that in verse 38, it's, he says very distinctly, he said, Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said. So Andrew turns to follow Jesus, and in the midst of that, Jesus turns toward 
him. And there is a relational connection between these two. Because Jesus says, uh, when, they say when he says, what do you seek? And they said, where are you staying? Je Jesus says to them, come and see. And they, it says in verse 39, they came and saw where he was staying. And it says that they remained with him that day. That word remained is interesting because it's what, it's sometimes translated later in John's gospel as abide. So there is a sense of connection. What I would contend this morning is a relational connection. There was something that even though John had said, behold the Lamb of God, and they call him rabbi, they were just discovering who Jesus was, but they, st they stayed the night with him, and there was something in that time that there, a relational connection between Jesus and Andrew developed. And it's interesting as the story goes on, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. Peter's first words called Jesus Rabbi. But when he, come, when he comes to tell his brother, he says, We have found the Messiah. It moved from Lamb of God to Rabbi or Teacher to know this is... <laughs> This is everything we've waited for in all of the biblical history. He is the Messiah. John writes to a uh, Gentile or Greek audience, and so you see that it's translated in here. Uh, Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. Christ is the word in Greek for anointed one. This is the anointed one. This is the one we have waited for. It is significant in the story to me and the reason I talk about this this morning, that it says in verse 41, he first found his own brother, Simon. He first found his own brother, Simon. Once he had come to discover that this is the Messiah that we have waited for, and he had made a relational connection with Jesus, and he was convinced in his heart. He had believed. The first thing he did was, I guess he found the person that was closest to him. I guess that he thought was also searching for the same thing. And he said, we have found the Messiah. And then that statement in verse 42, it says, he, Andrew, brought him, brought him to Jesus. Um, my son's middle name is Andrew, Byron Andrew. His son is Hudson Andrew. I'm not sure why y'all named him Andrew's the middle name, maybe after his daddy. But uh, there are only three stories in the Gospels, and it's all in the Gospel of John, that Andrew plays any significant role. This story, he is bringing Peter, his brother, to Jesus. In, Acts, in John chapter 6, he brings a little boy with five loaves and two fish to Jesus. <laughs> and then in John chapter 12, there are some Greeks that are seeking Jesus. And it says that Andrew brought them to Jesus. Only three stories that relate to Andrew in any sense, any significant sense, in the Gospels all three times. He is bringing someone to Jesus. And the first of those 
is here when I guess that man that he worked with and he was closest to, he brought him to Jesus. Not only did he bring him, but he spoke to him. He says from his own mouth, we have found the Messiah. Those must have been amazing words. Why would Simon Peter be willing to come? Because before he believed in Jesus, he believed in his brother Andrew. Before he believed in Jesus, he believed in his brother Andrew. You believe this man is the Messiah. All right, I will come and discover it for myself. Andrew had credibility because of his relational connection with Peter. In verse 42, when, when Peter, when Jesus speaks to Peter, pretty amazing words, he gives him a new name. That's a little audacious, isn't it? You just meet a guy and you go, listen, everybody's been calling you Simon all your life. I'm just going to call you Peter. Dude, you don't even know me. You don't know me. Well, he did know him. And the amazing thing is he, he says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. It's almost like that's your earthly existence. That's who you are in this world. That's who you were born just in this world. But you shall be called Cephas, which is Aramaic. The English translation is stone. The Greek would be Petros. And so we think of him as Simon Peter. The amazing thing in the story is that Jesus projects who Peter will be the first time he meets him. And it implies that there's something big. In fact, it's interesting, even when Andrew is introduced in this story, it says, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He was probably the younger brother. And as the story unfolds, Peter has far greater impact than Andrew. But get the story. It was Andrew that brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus projects his future. He implies through the name that he has big plans. But understand that that potential of who Peter would become is only possible when Andrew brings him to Jesus. Peter can only experience the fullness of life through Jesus because his brother who had a relational connection and therefore credibility with him brings him to Jesus. You know, in the same way, each person that was baptized today had someone in their life that connected them to Jesus. We could go back to those stories. It may have been a mom or dad. Wow. No, it doesn't get any better than that. A mom and dad that raised their kids to know Jesus, and when the time comes, they lead them to faith. Could have been a friend. Could have been a Bible study leader. Could have been a pastor. In fact, some people had num numerous people <laughs> that were all working in their life by their actions and their words to point them to Jesus. 
There was someone in their life that was already connected to Jesus who then led them through their actions and words. It was true for everyone that got baptized today. I'm pretty sure in this crowd, if you've come to faith in Christ, it's true for you too. There was someone who was relationally connected to Jesus who led you to be connected to Jesus. The interesting thing is once John connected Andrew to Jesus, Andrew becomes a connecting point for others to come to Jesus. The first instance we know is Simon Peter. You realize the same is true for you today. Jesus didn't come just to save you so that someday you could buy your time here on this earth and someday you could go to heaven. He connected with you. Someone connected you to Jesus so that once you were connected to Jesus, you would become a connecting point for other people in your life. I want to say in this very simple story today, start where you are. Your pastor is not the brightest bulb on the tree. I haven't figured out everything. I don't know everything. But there is one thing I'm communicating to you as a church at this time in our church's life. We must relationally connect people to the gospel. We can have programs. We can do a lot of bells and whistles. We can do a lot of things. But the one thing that will get our church to the place where God wants us to be is for each person that is a part of this family to simply begin to relationally connect the people in your existing life right now to the gospel. I'm not even talking about some grand scheme yet. I'm just saying you already have relationships. There are people that you have credibility with because of your, your, of your life. And I'm saying, speak the words. Because you never know what God could do. Andrew's the one that brings Peter, the man, who becomes the leader of that band of brothers. Andrew brings his brother. And God does a greater work through Peter, as far as we know, than Andrew. It doesn't really matter. There's only three stories in the Bible about Andrew where he, he plays any significant part. There's countless stories about Peter. But Andrew started where he was. And God took maybe a very small step in his life to do something in the years and decades and really centuries later that was quite amazing. One of the truths that I've thought about for several weeks now is this statement that God makes much of little. God makes much of little. We say, well... I don't know. 
it doesn't really matter, does it? it it's the, whatever it is that I do in my service, in my words, and what I do, it doesn't seem to have any effect. You never know what God can do through your life. And if we can do it, even if it's little, we ought to do it. I'm asking you to do a very simple thing. In the days to come, to simply relationally connect the gospel to people. Wherever you encounter them, start with the people that are closest to you. It is something that if it catches on and it becomes a part of our DNA, which I believe it will, God will do amazing things. He will. If you're looking for some big scheme or something, I don't know what that is. But I know that God makes much of little. So just do the little things. Wherever you are, start where you are. The relationships you have. There is power in your story and in the story that God records. And there is power in your relational connection with people. And it is the most effective means through relationships to connect people to the gospel. I'm telling you, what we learn in the story is the vast majority of people just need somebody they know that points them and brings them to Jesus. And my question is, who is that in your life? You don't have to go to Africa with me. There's a mission field right around you. Who is it that is the Simon Peter in your life? that you are relationally connected to, trust that if you will do the little things, God will make much of it. Our directional statement for our church is this statement, I want it on the screen, that we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, His church, and His cause. Um, we exist to connect the disconnected to Christ, his church, and his cause. That is a directional statement for us for the years to come. It is a very simple thing. And this morning, I want you to know that the one thing that will change who we are as a church and to get us to the place of a greater impact and a higher level as a church of impact and influence is simply this one thing truth relationally connect people to the gospel and there is incredible potential if we all just do that one simple thing like Andrew did in connecting his brother to Jesus amen amen you didn't know I could preach a 15 or 20 minute sermon some of y'all are in awe not at what I said but that I'm done five minutes till the time. Um, <laughs> would you stand with me this morning? Brother Shane and the music team is going to come. The people today who were baptized took steps of courage to follow Jesus. What is your step of courage that Christ asks you to make? And quite honestly, 
it may be someone in your life that as I talked about someone that is like Peter in your life there is someone that God has already brought to your mind today and this week the challenge is let me speak with my my life and my words and point them to Jesus and there may be in this these moments that you make that commitment uh, Byron and I are gonna be at the front if you need to follow the Lord if you need to cross the line of faith and say I, I need to I need to take the step that these people took and their profession of faith and their baptism we can receive you for that uh, but I simply ask you would you be obedient to take the next step if we as a church will do that collectively I believe that God will do incredible things but quite honestly it just comes down to individuals to say I will be responsible for me and I will take my step of obedience. Byron and I will be at the front. Shane's going to lead us. You come.